0: Africa Business Report. The Money Show. Welcome to The Money Show on a Tuesday night. It's at this time every week that we speak to Victor Homaswana, get his update on what's going on around the business, uh, around around the, the world of African business. Um, there always plenty of good stories, but the one that has uh, got my attention, Victor, is the one that could very well change South Africa's ability to brand itself as the continent's biggest economy because Nigeria yeah. goes through this process of rebasing its economy. They could end up on Sunday night declaring themselves to be the biggest economy on the continent.
1: Yeah. Think think about it. Good evening, Bruce. Think about it. I don't think they were ever smaller than South Africa if you if you just think about it. it's about a, it's a matter of computation. And if you have hundred and sixty million people that's what South Africa, 50 million, and you. you just know what the Nigerian economy has been doing. With all the banking sector, the oil, the agriculture, and and all the industrial development that's happening there, I'm sure they will be, and I, I, I share your concern that you won't be able to say we're Africa's largest, because you know, in the markets and in business, news, there's a lot that comes with being number one or the biggest or this. So yeah, I'm I'm very worried that we won't be able to do that for much longer, Bruce.
0: Uh, and, and that's the, the situation we find ourselves in. Um, I was just chatting to the managing director of Nissan in South Africa, of course, Mike Whitfield, a very, 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 very distant cousin. Um, but they're about to start manufacturing uh, big trucks in Nigeria. They're about to uh, start manufacturing the Almira in Nigeria. they are also uh, manufactured yeah. their new minibus taxi, which they've got on the production line in South Africa in Nigeria too. Um, they've yeah. seen the opportunities.
1: But- plenty, plenty. As I say, we're talking numbers here. I mean, one country in Africa that has what no other country has, is Nigeria, because everything that we do, they do in abundance. You remember MTN went out of here as South Africa's number two, and they went into Nigeria, and by the time they were done with that market, and they were still not done, because the penetration is not 100%, they were Africa's largest, if you compare the South African mobile phone players. So by just being in that industry, you, you have to be in Lagos to appreciate what we are talking about, because it's very hard to Think about it and talk about it from center, but the point is as you say they are rebasing i think they have noticed the importance of being a global economy speaking the global language and they decided they want to do it but you remember you and i have been talking about this for the past five years they started with their banking sector to make sure that they can communicate with the world of world finance they they, they got that right because their banks are now world-class banks and that's why they are able to do what they are doing
0: today uh, Zenith Bank, is that, that a major player within the N- Nigerian banking sector?
1: Oh, it is a major. You watch CNN all the time. You see it covering and sponsoring all kinds of projects. I think they are associated with some of the, even the the African there's a feature on CNN I know that's sponsored by, by Zenith. They are one of the banks that came out tops in the restructuring. You remember three years ago there was a lot of restructuring in the Nigerian banking sector. First Bank of Nigeria came out tops, UBA came out tops, Access Bank came and Zenith was the other bank that was that was one of those. And they're announcing a new MD now who has been with the bank for twelve years. That's very reassuring, you will know as a, as a as a financial journalist that when you you appoint somebody as the MD to replace somebody outgoing and they say who's this guy he's been with the bank for 12 years that's that's more than enough if you consider that. That's all his banking experience. He's an MBA from UK, the UK. He's got an um, advanced management program from INSEAD in France, and he's an engineer by training. Electronics, he's a very qualified person who has been part of the Exco at his Bank now taking over with effect from June. But of course, you know there were problems with the Central Bank of Nigeria. So the the new leader coming in, there, the the decision is subject to the approval of the Central Bank, of course. But if All goes according to plan, he'll be taking over in June this year.
0: Uh, When we look at it, also, I mean, another guy who has been out of the news for a while, Strive Masiyiwa, he's been quiet for a bit, but (laughs) Fortune magazine thinks he walks on water. He thinks in the top 50
1: personalities of the world. That, that's that's exactly the point. And, and, and you will hear more about him. You associate him more with Econet. But you remember there was a lawsuit in Zimbabwe where he was. He effectively, with that lawsuit, managed to change the rules of telecommunications in Zimbabwe. So he is a serious player. He's very much a, a philanthropist in his own right. And Econet Wireless, if you look at what he has done on the continent, Bruce, using taking advantage of the fiber optic connections and, and going into countries that were not traditionally serviced, that makes him the, the star that he is, according to Fortune. And, you know, Fortune doesn't give you those kinds of credits or accolades unless you've really achieved. And I share their, their, their adulation of the man. He, he has done a lot for Zimbabwe and for Africa and for telecoms as a whole.
0: What's he up to right now, though?
1: No, he's still part of Econet Wireless. He's he's part of the the fiber optic cable uh, story that uh, that we keep talking about. He's trying to get internet, broadband internet into the rest of Africa. So he is still part of the telecommunications landscape. But as I say, he's involved in a whole lot of other charitable causes, and yeah, he he's just a superstar in my opinion.
0: <laughs> there we go. Uh, I didn't know if t- take you for being starstruck, Victor. I didn't take you for being <laughs> starstruck. But Strive you <laughs> has done it for you. Uh, another uh, superhero of Africa Business is a guy called Aliko Dangote, Um, a very busy guy. He's recently been banned from mining in Zambia. Um, Has that been overturned?
1: It has been overturned. The the agency, the environmental agency, has been ordered to rather allow him to get on the business. The story was that one of the cement businesses that he's putting up in Zambia was accused of discharging water into the rivers without Permission, So it's more like, I would say it's a minor violation, considering he's putting in 400 million. In the world where we're talking sustainable development, discharging any effluence into water is not a minor thing. But what the Ministry of Mines is saying, Ministry of Investment is saying, look, we admit that he might have violated, but rather make sure that he doesn't do it again enforce measures that will make sure he doesn't do it again but allow him to carry on with the investment cuz the cement business must be commissioned and that's where they feel your the agency is holding back so it's more like the department of environmental affairs here saying you are failing your environmental impact assessment because there was a reportable incident and as a result we will hold back a 400 million dollar investment from going ahead, so it's more or less overturning that to say deal with the infraction but do not stop the whole investment and in the commission of the plant from going ahead because of that.
0: Are African companies doing enough to uh, secure computer networks? There seems to be some concern that our computer networks across the continent are pretty vulnerable.
1: It is because this study, according to the University of Indonesia, I think, is saying that. I think more than 50% of, of Africans are just not securing their internet. It, it, I mean, they're not securing their computers, which is worrying. They, they they are talking billions of dollars that we will be spending in business to deal with this, uh, the after effects of some cybercrime. So in, in, in brief, Bruce, cybercrime is on the rise in Africa. And I'm sure you raised it when I was punting my M-Pesa. You kept asking, is it secure as a network? It is secure as a network, but it's not the only network that's moving money. And where you have internet, you have technology, you have money changing hands, on the scale that Africa is offering, you are likely to have that. So it's a good study because it's an independent study by an international university, but it's warning Africa that as much as you're developing and getting all exuberant that technology is going to make your life easier. Be aware that crime on the net is just much as destructive, if not more destructive, if you don't take control of it.
0: On oh, my SMS line, somebody saying, agree about Nigeria's growth and size and the good bank story. What about the grossly inadequate infrastructure, whether it's roads or power or water, yeah. basic health, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? I mean, it's easy yeah. to paint a, a, a very positive story of the enormous um, um, successes in Nigeria, but they do have some very yeah. fundamental, fundamental issues there. They
1: do, but they are working on it. The power infrastructure is a problem. I used to joke that in Nigeria, you have the power, the generators as the grid, and the national grid as the backup, because you you almost so much get used to using generators or hearing generators droning in the background. But the point is... They are aware of that, the infrastructure, especially in places like Lagos, Bruce. The, the governor of Lagos is very aware that you have to get the infrastructure going. There are very eminent Nigerian businessmen like Tony Elumelu, whose company, Airs Holdings, is putting a lot of money into power. He was part of the President Obama's campaign when he was here, talking about getting power supply stability. So it is true that Nigeria still has a lot of infrastructure and power supply backlogs, but even with that, the They are aware of it. They are privatizing the the power supply industry as much as possible to get independent power suppliers. But I don't think you are going to pull down their story because of that. They are aware of the limitations and they are working on it. But I admit that it is still a problem. If you're in Lagos, you spot it, you realize it, that you move much, much slower than when you're in Johannesburg and the power supply is not as stable.
0: Uh, and that's interesting because Harry comes through with an SMS this evening saying every time I listen to the Africa Business Report, I just want to invest on the African continent. The more I read about South Africa, however, the more I want to disinvest from there. Um, and I suppose it's, it's the big story, I suppose, of living in an environment on a daily basis. Perhaps if you lived yeah. in Nigeria, you'd be less inclined to invest there. But the stories do sound good. Um, And and Harry is entranced and many, many more people, a growing number of people are entranced by the Africa growth potential.
1: You, you do business reports every week, Bruce. You know, whether you talk to Aspen, whether you talk to ShopRite, they will tell you that their broader African story is much more appealing. Their South African business might not be growing. It's coming off a higher base. Their rest of Africa strategy is coming off a low base, but it is growing much more. I think if you're invested in South Africa, don't disinvest because South Africa is still a major investor on the continent. Rather, use South Africa as a base to take advantage of what the rest of the continent is offering. I wouldn't disinvest in Africa because we have a lot of things going for us. We have a stable, well, what is it? our reporting, accounting standards are top in the world. Our protection of investors is still world class. We have a lot of good infrastructure here, but if you are only looking at your South African portfolio as everything you are ever going to do to build wealth, you are going to lose out.
0: There we go, Victor. Before I let you go, it's interesting to see Sudan allocating hundreds of thousands of hectares to uh, the nation of Bahrain to farm. Yeah.
1: Middle East, Bruce, is one of the most underestimated investors on the African continent. They invest a whole lot more than we give them credit for. So Bahrain, is, in fact, if you think about it, the, the, the Sudan has a lot of Arabic investors already in the country. They're they, they are just saying, in agriculture, they're giving the Bahraini, the, the, the investors from Bahrain, an opportunity of 100,000 hectares or so to do some agricultural development. Remember, your idea of Sudan is not what it is. It's a very green Lush piece of land. So, if you if you if you get some investors from Bahrain, they are, they are likely to go. In. But it's investing in the technology enabling the Sudanese to to take advantage of the climate they had. There are parts of it that are not so so lush and what. But in the end, is a large in terms of surface area, it offers a whole lot of options. And when I was there, I got the the true picture of what it is. There are lots of Middle Eastern investors that are going there, and this is just one story, and that's why I highlighted it.
0: Victor Gomeswano with the Africa Business Report on a Tuesday night.